nineteenth, it's happening again. Um, joining me to commemorate is my longtime correspondent Albert Ching. Albert, thank you for being here on such a solemn occasion. Uh, you know, I can't say I, I'm happy to be here, but I, I'm I'm grateful. <laughs> you know, happy seems like the wrong word given the uh, the nature of what we're discussing. Right. But you know, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to uh, connect with you and talk about this very important date. You know, I think we're on the um, we're one year away from the ten year anniversary of the first May nineteenth. Can you imagine? Yeah, you know, it's like every year I find different things to be sad about. <laughs> Do you have any? Um, I know it's always tricky when May nineteenth falls on a weekday. Um, like when Monday and Friday is good because you get the long weekend. Oh but, yeah, uh, it's a Tuesday this year. We of course had to tape a couple days early so I could send my whole staff. Uh, home on Tuesday, but yeah, just you doing anything with friends or just maybe solemn reflection. You know, I usually have like a small a small get together. Um, mm. You know, I'll I'll make some dinner, and uh, you know, we'll just we'll, we'll just talk about memories of that date. You know, right. what we were doing, uh, just like sort of the immediate reaction afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just um, I think last year, twenty fourteen, that the sequel to the film See No Evil that was based on the events May 19th uh, came out. Is that right? Or was it two years ago? No, it was last year. It was actually, uh, oddly enough, it came out in the fall right. rather than the spring. I guess they figured maybe, you know, they just didn't want to uh, to go near that, that date. Kane, I remember, disappeared two years ago after that uh, you yourself saw him lose an Inferno match to Bray Wyatt. So that was when he was filming it, and then it must have come out last year. Because I don't remember any overlap on TV where the authority was like, Kane, you excited? You got your big movie coming out. Well, actually, it was a Ring of Fire match against Excuse Bray Wyatt me? at SummerSlam 2013. Uh, I think the Inferno match uh, is exactly the same, but they didn't call it that. <laughs> Uh, you may have to lose an Inferno match by being consumed in flame, and I guess Kane probably just got pinned, right? I yeah. That was, and then he was carried out by the Wyatts. Then he came back as a babyface, and then he renounced his babyfacedom to join the Authority for no real reason, I guess. I mean, if, if you were a wrestler, wouldn't you join the Authority? It seems like they they get lots of breaks. It's fairly straightforward. Yeah, yeah. it seems like it's a pretty good deal for them. It's worked out for Seth Rollins in a big way. Yeah. Uh, before we commence wrestling business, of which you're probably my star reporter for this show, and uh, you <laughs> tended a pretty famous show there in the third week of March, uh, very, very popular, seen by a lot of eyeballs, a little something called WWE WrestleMania 31's Go Home yep. Rock in Los Angeles. So I wanted to give a spoiler warning ahead of time that anybody who DVR'd that, uh, the Saturday replay on the Telemundo or NBC Universal (laughs) channels who still haven't watched that, we will be probably giving spoilers for that. Yeah, if you're about two months behind on Raw, you know, if if you're like waiting for the season to be over and then just catch up all at once, then you're going to (laughs) want to fast forward to about, I don't know, Uh, I I would say like 45 minutes past in the podcast. (laughs) That's probably how long we're going to spend on this uh on this eight-week-old taping I went to. Because Rodomy is, like, the ad rates are there because it's live programming, but it was designed to be binge-watched. <laughs> you just want to... That's what, one of the great things about the network is now it must be, what, like, probably two hours and 20 minutes without commercials, and then after that's over, you just want to plow right into the next one. Yeah, plus like, if you watch the uh, the replays on the network... They all the episodes have titles, and they don't have titles when they are live. <laughs> yeah, how would they know? Yeah, it's all like you know, bad news for Dean Ambrose. <laughs> Before you just have to be like, oh, it's the you know February twenty second episode. Mm-hmm. People are like, I don't know what that means. What happened? Was it good news or bad news for Dean Ambrose on that day? <laughs> Who could say? Was the lunatic hinged or unhinged? <laughs> Which I'm guessing is probably going to be the title of one of these last two uh, Raws. When yeah, they go absolutely. Imagine, I wonder what Kane-related things there's probably been too, as he's had a lot of character development. He really has, you know, um, and his name rhymes with a lot of things. Oh, it really does. So that's probably helpful for them as well. God, the possibilities are endless. 
but before we got onto that business, I wanted to do what I do every year, which is read the names of the victims of May 19th, uh, which are commemorated uh, on the website imdb.com. That's the memorial for them. See No Evil came out 2006, and then the sequel, See No Evil 2, which I assume is subtitled The Long Kill Goodnight, <laughs> came out <laughs> last year. If I could just ask for a brief moment of silence, and I will uh, commemorate, consecrate. Uh, the victims are Zoe Warner, Ty Sims, Melissa Boudreau, Richie Burnson, Russell Wolf, Frank Williams, Margaret Gain, and Hannah Anders. And the assumption I'm making is that every cast member who is not Jacob Goodnight died in this movie. <laughs> I think that's probably right. <laughs> he might have died too. Oh, that's right. I don't consider him a victim, though. <laughs> no, he seems he seems like a real jerk. Oh, for sure. He has problems, though. I think it has. Uh, there's a backstory there that probably gets him off the hook. <laughs> off the hook, which I think is <laughs> was his preferred weapon of choice for for these uh, heinous crimes he committed. Yes, that was uh, that would be a good raw episode title for the movie if it wasn't <laughs> called "See No Evil" and it wasn't a movie, but wasn't said an episode of Raw. And you know, at the time that the first "See No Evil" came out in two thousand six, they kind of recalibrated Kane's character to be crazy and you know sort of tie into the film. And you know, last fall when "See No Evil" two came out, I think he was firmly in his just normal guy wearing a suit phase. <laughs> You think yep. that was a missed opportunity? I think he he had sort of just transcended the role of Kane to where probably last year he was just like, that's Kane. He's a working actor. <laughs> right. Whereas the first time around, like the cast of See No Evil was like, uh, Kane is acting really weird on set. I hope he doesn't actually murder us. <laughs> they brought some of those kids to do that uh, sideways head tilt watch the monitor of raw backstage and then whoever the interviewer was at the time probably maria was like hi how was your experience working on see no evil and they're like quite terrible to be honest with you but don't tell kane we said that thing i guess and now the victims of the second see no evil's names i can't read because there is no up-to-date imdb information about well them. you know i'm on the wikipedia page for see no evil too Oh, yeah? And I can tell you one huge difference is that they only have first names, apparently, in this oh, film. <laughs> uh, no last names. Probably because cause Jacob Goodnight kills them so quickly before <laughs> the viewer can even learn their last names. But we've got Amy, Tamara, Kayla, Seth, Will, Carter, and Holden, which is surely a literary reference to the protagonist of Catcher in the Rye. One of the many, uh, you know, highbrow literary allusions in the uh, Ceno Evil franchise. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, because there's a whole lot of eye imagery. That much I know from, I guess, commercials. And um, snippets where people talk about the eyes being the window to the soul. And I think the heavy implication that Jacob Goodnight is tearing out people's eyes. Neither of us have seen either of these movies. No, so I don't know if definitely not. But they exist. Yeah. Yeah. No one would say otherwise. They're probably the second uh, most famous WWE Films franchise. And I would have said the at least the up until the Miz took the Marine and started running with it in a big way. Yeah, he's really made that role his own. He has uh, kind of carried the franchise, breathed new life into it, as The Rock has done with Furious and Furiouser, or whatever they're called now. And obviously, you've watched uh, the Marine Four moving target. God, I wish I had and should have. <laughs> I haven't now. either, but I have seen a GIF, and this is a spoiler. Oh, so again, <laughs> massive spoiler. So again, <laughs> fast forward. Past this, if you don't want the Marine Four moving target spoiled, but I have seen this gif. I, I assume you have too, where like the Miz grabs Summer Rae and like uses her as human shield to be shot to death. There's no coming back from that, and that's why I was so angry about it. Is that like if there's one moment in or uh, the Marine, and I'm sure that's why it's the gif, but like that's the money moment of that whole film. And now I feel like everything watching up to that point is just going to be an empty empty exercise in futility and i'm just curious as to what what leads up to that moment yes is is summer a bad guy in that movie i think she's a uh a villain a villainess but still that doesn't seem like a very heroic action (laughs) for the marine to be doing you know out of context without seeing the film but you know seeing him grab you know a woman 
and using her as a shield. No matter what uh, crimes she may have committed up to that point, uh, it, it was sort of unsettling. This recent Avengers movie seemed to go to great pains to make sure that they like prevented 100% of civilian fatalities. And I suppose she's not a civilian, but there's got to be some kind of like, don't make someone a human shield ethos to the whole Yeah, no matter thing. what. Yeah, it does seem... Uh... Yeah, it seems it seems odd, but you know what? We'll never know. No, there's no, no way of figuring out why that happened. We'll have to check in in an airport or Barnes and Noble or something for the novelization oh, of the original yeah. major motion picture, The Marine, uh, whatever the subtitle of that one is. Moving Target. Thank you, because they were. I guess they were on opposite sides at first in promoting the movie, but then they eventually found some commonality there at the yeah. end. So it would have been fun to see them be both Marines. Isn't society ready for a female Marine? That's what I thought it was going to be. I think we all would have enjoyed that. <sighs> Summer Rae is a talent. Absolutely. Although not, um, she was downgraded from our beloved Total Divas to like Total Divas post-show discussion. <laughs> her BFF Renee Young. That's done. Because what are your thoughts on uh, Rosa Mendez, Total Divas wise, asset or ass? <laughs> uh, you know, she has uh, come in and done her thing, and she went on on a trip, right? Mm-hmm. Like a girls' weekend with uh, just part of a stable on that show. Who did she have the beef with? Did she had a beef with someone, or am I thinking of someone else? Oh, boy. was it Alicia Fox or are her Alicia Fox are friends? Uh, her Fox well, Alicia and Fox Paige. had a beef with uh, Cameron. Cameron. That's right. Yeah, and Wade Barrett. Yes. How about that revelation? Huh? Uh huh. Stewart something himself. What do you think? I had no idea. When Wade Barrett broke up with uh, Alicia Fox, how do you think he uh, introduced <laughs> that topic of conversation when he uh, sat down to have that conversation with her? That could have been the genesis of the whole character. A character that I think may no longer exist now that he is uh, a time-tested wrestling trope of a guy who wins a crown <laughs> and then decides and behaves like, like an actual monarch. Right. I don't think he's King Bad News. Uh, no, he's King Barrett, yeah. Right, because kings have people to do that, hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> right. You definitely share my animosity towards that page guy from the end of the season. Yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere. And he should return there. Boy, yeah. he, uh, we don't need to see that guy. It yet. was very much like, you know, when a show's been on for a few seasons, they introduce a new character, and everybody hates the addition. <laughs> now, if we were going to see the return of someone like, say, Jarrett, then yeah, I'm on board. You would think that at this point, deep in the run, they should be rewarding devotees with like continuity callbacks to the first season. The likes of Jarrett, the likes of uh, Jojo herself. Perfect, uh, you know, there was perfect entry points for both of them to return. I mean, with all of the uh, marital strife between Natty and TJ, mm. clear mm-hmm. opening for Jarrett to appear. And with Jojo, you know, burning it up as a full-time active ring announcer right she has an actual plot line you would think about like i joined the company and now i do this (laughs) there's a an actual progression there versus eva marie who has plateaued in a big way well you know she has i don't know if you've been following the uh the online scoop but she has Mm -hmm. been uh training very diligently with our favorite uh the Brian Kendrick. I don't know our favorite what. Our favorite, <laughs> favorite Brian something. Kendrick. Yeah. My favorite Brian Kendrick is the Brian our Kendrick. Favorite, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, so A, I assume that means a, a splashy in-ring return is in her future. Perhaps getting in on that very competitive NXT women's scene. And I, I also just can only hope that that means that the next season of Told Divas will feature the Brian Kendrick as a, as a regular character. That has to be, because if I'm disappointed with anything in Total Divas, that they seem to blow through promising arcs too quickly, and that should be a season-long thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Like Slow build. It needs to be established in the pilot and conclude in the finale uh, an arc of Eva's growth, and not just like, so today I'm going to work with Brian Kendrick. He's going to teach me how to do a hurricane runner. Maybe she'll do a big run-in on this special on Wednesday, May 20th. Yes, uh, May 20th. Day after May 19th. That'd be great. Isn't there a tag match on that show? She could come in afterwards and lay out everybody with uh, the one move she knows, the schoolgirl roll-up. 
but presumably now she knows all of all of Brian Kendrick's greatest, including the slice bread number two. He may have uh, uh, increased to a number three that he passed on him <laughs> later. Because Brian's wife, of course, is Taylor Metheny of Tough Enough One. So maybe she could even get on the show, too, and bridge a 15-year gap between, or maybe 14 years, from Tough Enough One all the way to the new I, Tough Enough. I believe Enough. it is 14 years, yeah, it's 2001. So hopefully she'll be on camera, or maybe just have her face pixelated if she doesn't sign the waiver. I don't know. Probably not, because there's no good reason I can think of for her to accompany Brian Kendrick to the NXT facility. <laughs> but I can hope until proven otherwise. Maybe if she just made the trip with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, just happened to be there. Mm-hmm. That would be ideal. Yeah, you know, what I see is, I see an on-camera duo. I see, in a twist, I see him taking on the big Zeke role. <laughs> And, like, maybe, like, she inherits his jacket that he wore as the Brian Kendrick, and, like, they do that angle, and, you know, uh, you know, she gets the music and everything, the I'm the Man with the Plan song. Yeah. I think that would fit right in. I mean, we got Rhino back on TV. Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury are regularly in the main event scene. There's a whole backstory to the Jamie Noble character that you really have to pay attention to, to where... He there was the Chuck Palumbo Michelle McCool love triangle, and then shortly after that, I think Sheamus ended his career with a powerbomb on the floor. Yes, and then eventually you just see Jamie appear in suits backstage, bringing up brawls, and then then he became a member of the Authority in full. Yes, and and Luke Harper's cousin. Mm-hmm. That's canonical at this point, right? But does that mean that uh, Nunzio is also <gasps> Luke Harper? That's interesting. They would be second cousins, I think, or I would need an actual. <laughs> I'm sure they'll they'll release all of that information soon. I'm sure. <laughs> the aforementioned Kane is the only guy I think who got a novelization to flesh out his character completely. But I think it predates how the date May nineteenth and the fact that for a little bit he became like the same guy as the movie monster he was playing in a movie. I don't think they got to that at that point. But the the real summative Kane thing is, do you remember when he was in anger management and did that astonishing tales of George Costanza kind of uh, montage where he talked about his whole career spanning everything uh, with some, some clever editing? Right. He's a, he's an enriched, and I guess maybe he's coming to the end. Maybe we'll get the last Kane story. It all watching. counts is what I like. Too. Uh-huh. There's no reboots. <laughs> You know, it's all canonical. There's mm-hmm. none of this, you know, the Star Wars expanded universe doesn't count anymore with Kane. Everything counts. It all fits in perfectly. And you see how all of these layers build to the uh, kind of put upon middle management <laughs> character <laughs> that he is today. And how all of these uh, insane things. It is, I guess, nice to think that the Kane character has been socialized just by being a part of this touring company for so long that now he knows how to interact with human beings. He doesn't need to be uh, led to the ring in a straitjacket and things like that. It's just, he does put on the mask sometime and go into a demon form, uh, but people just generally accept that. And he seems to have a level of self-awareness about it, too. He does, and, you know, I mean, he obviously holds an important position within the company as the director of operations. That's, I don't know if there's like an accordant bump in salary or if they you just kind of like do you want to also make matches on smackdown sometimes all right yeah it's funny how like the two uh career progressions for wrestlers seem to be either someone who comes out and makes matches or hosting a talk show-esque segment (laughs) (laughs) those are your only options beyond Uh... being an in-ring competitor it's amazing how many you know, pro wrestlers during their active careers also had the ambitions to host talk show-like segments. I think that's what threw people about Rene Dupree is that the Café du Rene was so short-lived. Uh, for him to get that responsibility so quickly in his career may have had something to do with uh, what curtailed it. I think that's probably exactly it. Café du Rene, of course, uh, must have been overshadowed by the Peep Show. And then I think the MVP guess, show is probably around the same time too. Oh, the the, the lounge, players lounge, the, and then I think Ms. TV has really been running with it in the the modern era. NXT is probably that's one of the things that it's missing is that people should just have their own show on there. Yeah, I'm sure it's coming. 
<laughs> if you're going to get them ready for the main roster, they need to practice hosting their own <laughs> talk show that is a very important component of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you did go to this Raw in March. Yes, and I'd I be did. remiss not to go over it in uh in in May. Thorough detail. Yeah, literally almost two months after. Yes. I'm going to throw some things at you, and you just tell me how you reacted to it. Absolutely. Because this was the famous show. I was scrolled all the way to the bottom and then finally found something worth talking about, <laughs> uh, where Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns had the tug-of-war over the belt as the final image before WrestleMania. Uh, but can you finally reveal to the world, because no one else has, has emailed a website about this, how did that tug-of-war end? <laughs> you know, it's been months since I've seen it or thought about it. <laughs> but my best recollection is that they were tugging. It was a war esque atmosphere, mm-hmm. and the belt kind of fell on the ground. Uh, Roman Reigns left, and Brock Lesnar picked it up. And there was a lot of like you know between me and the people I was with uh, of like is that is that it is that is that the end of the show? Because uh-huh. it did seem very abrupt. And we didn't know exactly when it went off the air. Obviously. You know. <laughs> Yeah, they they didn't really bother to think of that. They had their show closing thought or uh, shot, and then now that the post raw show, if it even exists, takes place backstage, they did not have to cut to uh, Renee Young in the panel with the two of them still tugging <laughs> for the belt over their shoulders in the background. So they were just. But it done. was quick. Yeah, it was not a. It was a very quick thing the way it all played out. Yeah, you were at. Uh, was it? The, what show was the, you were at a, you were the, at a key show on the the ante penultimate, <laughs> yes, which is what it was officially referred to constantly <laughs> on air. That's right. We all remember Michael Cole uh, welcoming <laughs> us all to the anti penultimate raw. That's right. That's what it's called on the WWE Network. Too. <laughs> yes. My episode anti penultimate warriors happened, <laughs> and then your laid back West Coast crowd. Uh, is the ones who really uh, made a point to be as mad as some of the other people. And I don't know, I would think the whole WrestleMania plan was already... Or no, that was when they, they like negotiated with Brock Lesnar and signed him during that show. That was the real history that was going on. Absolutely. You sheep in the crowd didn't know the true <laughs> no idea. business machinations going on uh, behind uh, Snoop Dogg was also on that show. How about that? Snoop Dogg was Hogan. on the show, and uh, and Hulk Hogan. They had a great segment together with Curtis Axel, mm-hmm. and it was the last time I think we've seen Hulk Hogan on camera because at WrestleMania we saw Hollywood Hogan. <laughs> That's a really important distinction. Yeah. I can tell you one uh, very distinct memory I have of this show that was mm-hmm. two months ago, and. I don't know when the last time you went to a Raw taping was. JK, I do. It was the week before I did. <laughs> but it's pretty... They do a thing about 10 minutes before the show starts where Lillian Garcia or whoever, maybe Justin Roberts, if it's, you know, a year or so back, uh, will be like, we're about to go live on the USA Network. And I don't even know this because I've never watched Raw live 10 minutes before it starts, but I think <laughs> there might be like a commercial on USA that like is like a live, like that like shows like a cut in of the crowd or something. Or there's has to be some, or there's some reason why they're filming, you know, the crowd reacting 10 minutes before the show actually starts, right? And mm-hmm. so they do that, even though it's like, you know, 10 minutes before the scheduled start time. And then right after that is a taping for a uh, main event, which is Naomi versus Alicia Fox. And so the people, some of the people around me were like, wait, this is a weird way to start the, the last <laughs> round before WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, that seemed like a weird throwback to a time before people had DVRs and smartphones and a completely yeah. different attention span exactly, than yeah. they do in the 2010s. Because uh, it used to be CSI reruns. Now it must be, I assume, NCIS reruns. I think so. Just based on... That guy's yeah. face that I see for a second before the the um, signature starts that goes boom boom Mark boom. Harmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but you, that that uh, last commercial break, there's always a cut in where everyone's going crazy and it's just a real party atmosphere. And then Michael Cole sets it up for you to really all those NCSI heads give them no <laughs> excuse to keep to not touch that dial until the show starts. And of course, the real star of the show was uh, Sting. Oh, speaking for the first time. For the first time, 
And turns out, uh, only the second time that would ever <laughs> happen. Yep. What a run. What a first. run he had. Mm-hmm. That was funny, too, because that was the interview where he explicitly and repeatedly said, I'm not fighting for WCW. That's would be dumb, wouldn't it? And then all the commentary of his match at WrestleMania was like, you got this sting idiot trying to save WCW. And then Cole being like, well, be that as it may, and true, you still have to argue that uh, reasonable people would see things. So, um, And he was joined by uh, his his hated rivals from WCW, which was, mm-hmm. in my opinion, a huge uh, hole of the logic. Counts. But some people who adhere to your everything counts continuity thing pointed out that that's a false argument because when at the last we saw them interacting on WCW television, they were all members of the Millionaires Club together. So they ended on a United oh. Front. Okay. You know, then they should have worn their Millionaire's Club shirts. That's a good point, <laughs> which, as we all know, say F-U-N-B. <laughs> it's as iconic and classic of a design as the NWO shirts. <laughs> Do you think it was a difficult decision for X-Pac, uh, which side he was going to be on? Because he would have equal reason to be on either side, right? Either the NWO or the DX side. I was hoping he would do, like, just duck under the ring and come out in the other... Um t-shirt right or if there's anything the nwo is based on is people taking off t-shirts to reveal another t-shirt uh he could have done one of those uh, it seemed unfair that the nwo had so many people they could call on but they really just settled for those three guys whereas dx just kept uh sending out other people because i wanted rick flair who granted is no friend of the nwo or sting other than the fact that rick flair in his later years, cries and hugs everyone, so he would probably be on their side. Him turning on Triple H and Shawn Michaels would make as much sense as uh, Nash and Scott Hall coming out against Triple H, I guess. Well, we know former uh, NWO member Bret Hart was at mm. the show because he was in the, the segment with Daniel Bryan, so right. yeah, who knows who else could have, could have helped join those NWO ranks. I guess Andre the Giant Battle Royale. And the Big Show, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he has a lot of affiliations. Certainly does. Dungeon of Doom <laughs> and others. He was in the um, the Union. Oh, absolutely yeah. he was. The Union of People You Ought to Respect, Shane. Um, I have so many notes here. They're all good choices. And few segues to get into them. <laughs> So people hate Chris Jericho now. Um, yeah, let's get into that. This is a segment, uh, I have a recurring Justice Shapiro segment called Pod on Pod. Yes. You and I, we've we've been forthcoming about our longtime affinity for Chris Jericho and Christian, and uh, I two guess of the Christian, greats. right? Two of the great Chris's. Christian has sort of gone with more dignity into his later years, uh, but the level of uh, I get it, the irritation with him, but you would think, like on a human level, I don't know why people are so quick to like. Just toss people aside and be like, I hate you now forever. I'm really mad at you. When we've shared so many positive uh, memories and experiences with them. I'm going to go one further, or perhaps less far, depending on how you look at it, and say I don't get why people are so irritated with uh, Chris Jericho. I would say that his existence is uh, facile at best. <laughs> I don't know what the uh, the imminent harm of Chris Jericho is. Um, he gets to come back on TV now, which is bad instead <laughs> of good, when people thought that was good. And he hosts a podcast where, um, I don't know, I guess I can't really comment on the first 15 to 20 minutes of that show because I haven't listened to them in a long time. Oh, you're time. missing out on some great stuff. Some recurring bits. Yeah. Bits and gags. You know, there's some of those. His son was on the most recent one. I saw the one with his twin daughters and his son, and that was great radio unironically. It really was, yeah. When they thought uh, 
Rosa Mendez was just Fandango's friend. He does seem aware, though, that people dislike him also, because it is, it is something he talks about a lot right. in the beginnings of the podcast. And he also will, when he does, both times he did the uh, Live with Chris Jericho specials on the network, he's always kind of like gets out in front of things. He says, I'm not going to ask any hard questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, for on both sides of it, I have to say, especially if it's like Chris Jericho interviewing John Cena, like, like what hard questions do people <laughs> want Chris Jericho to ask John Cena? Like, like what is that expectation? Yeah, at least with Vince McMahon, you can be like, hey, man, come on, what's the deal here? But with John Cena, are you going to be like, why aren't you good when everyone knows you're bad? (laughs) What are people looking for there exactly? And especially like from Chris Jericho, he's not like uh, an actual like journalist or (laughs) news host. Uh, I don't know if there's... He wears a scarf. Hmm? He wears a scarf. That's not really. I don't know. I mean, you're a journalist. You do you uh, go into your interviews with that level of scarf going on? Uh, not, probably not now. Not in uh, not this time of year. Oh yeah, it's got to be incredibly humid. But yeah, so uh, yeah, I I think Jericho is is still fine with me. It's a weird thing that uh, you just kind of want to use someone up and spit them out because he was such a great friend. I feel like Chris Jericho was a point of view character in the Monday Night Wars because he he was not like my age, which was 15, but he was like a youngish guy. Sure. And then uh, maybe we see our own mortality in, <laughs> in him to have to watch him age and get old on TV and become perhaps a little less self-aware. But how much is lack of self-awareness and how much is just like, I'm being a rock star, which he technically is in that he's a band and they tour. Seems like they get some pretty good gigs. Mm-hmm. Fests. And he uh, he also, when he has matches uh, these days, they're, they're pretty good. Right. There's a real pylon to be like, <laughs> you know how that was good? Well, it wasn't. Shame on you. It's a weird thing. I'm scared to see what, as people like gradually get mad at Daniel Bryan now, he could walk on water and then it'll be like, yeah, but especially if he like wrestles increasingly less. Also, he's married to the Bella Twins. Speaking of people who are hated for no real reason, the boogie women that are the Bella Twins, I don't get that either. They both seem like such nice people. Genuinely Rather cool, I think. <laughs> yeah, they both, they both seem uh-huh. In different ways. Just, yeah, they seem just fine, yeah. I think it's, if people either don't watch the show or somehow, or I mean, Total Divas the show, and just assume that they're, like, come on. There's, they get it. Everyone gets it. And they're not, uh... I guess there's still, like, a holdout of the people who say, oh, they weren't, like, people who like dreamed of being wrestlers and like mm-hmm. made their way through the independent scene. They were like models that were hired. Uh-huh. But wrestlers. Not, it's funny too. I s- saw some like terribly misogynist stuff about Maria Canellis who for giving her opinion on something when it's like at this point, she's been in wrestling for like 10 years, 11, yeah. 12 years. Yeah. And so the Bell twins, I saw the first Bell twins match at a SmackDown taping in Pittsburgh in 2008. If you want to get your bonafides out there, your credibility as a podcast host, saw the first Bell Twins match. But like, so once you travel for that long and are part of the WWE system, you know how it works. You know what wrestling is. You're not like naive and have a lack of understanding of what you're doing there. I don't get it. Plus, I think it's fair to say they've both come a long way as in-ring competitors. Honestly, yeah. But that's, uh, it's sort of like Jericho where there's a blind spot there of like, that was bad. Because of who it was. Did you see the bad match they had? Yeah, actually, that's just one of the, the benchmark things at that Raw you went to. was Wasn't it like Nikki Bella versus Paige had a long match? It was at least 10 minutes. In which Divas were given a chance? They were absolutely given a chance. And also, uh, after the Raw taping concluded, they taped a few tech segments for that s- subsequent SmackDown mm-hmm. where, uh, where Nikki Bella used the B word to describe Paige and the since-departed AJ Lee. And A.J. Lee referred to the Bellas as the, as the Kardashians, which is sort of just confusing. Because, you know, it kind of just sounds like she said the wrong name. Even though I understand the subtext of, of what the diss was intended to be. But, you know, are they really that similar to... Uh, I mean, I guess they have reality shows on E! And they're related mm-hmm. to each other. 
Right. But then she may as well have just called him like the Chrisleys. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Seemed like an odd one, but hmm. um, it was a real life shoot promo, though, from what I remember. One of one of the last randomosity. promos for mm-hmm. for AJ Lee for her mm-hmm. retirement. Those pipebomb.coms or whatever they are. <laughs> You're directed at Total Demon. Yeah, can we talk about uh that's a great story in text message between you and I history mm-hmm. when <laughs> I guess it was 2013 yeah. AJ did another blistering promo uh, about Total Divas I think right mm-hmm. and how she didn't like it she let him have it and you sent me a text about it. you referred to it as uh, the pipe bomb.com <laughs> referencing uh, Ariane's catchphrase bomb.com mm-hmm. it's just yep. clever and then, but but you didn't know it was an actual. It was an actual website, mm-hmm. and I clicked on it. And it was a website <laughs> that was like the like not touched in years blog by the real life inspiration of the Netflix smash hit Orange Is the New Black, <laughs> which had like just premiered like weeks earlier. <laughs> and I was like, "Is Justin really excited about Orange Is the New Black?" And he's like delving into the. The behind-the-scenes true-life history of it. This is uh, I don't know what the context of this is, but mm. I, I guess I'm glad that he's excited. Check this out. <laughs> it was Check out, out of nowhere. Supplementary content to Orange is the New Black. I expect you to read this and get back to me. <laughs> right. Yes, because her name is Piper. Yes, And then is. the real-life person is also Piper or something. And so her blog was thepipebomb.com. Great story, well told, but I'd also like to take a second to tell you about another story, and that's the story of the sponsor for this episode, which is our good friends over at ESPN.com. ESPN.com is the official website of the ESPN channel, and it's bringing the worldwide... May 19th. It's happening again, Kane. You know what happened on that So I have to ask this of you, you know, we're talking about all the big events of the day. I know you're a fan of, uh, of the Marvel films. What's your Age of Ultron review? I liked it a lot, um, but it was tough because it came out at the same time as I was watching all that Daredevil. Oh. And so there's, a, there's like a tonal difference there. Very different. Uh, so maybe I was like t- in too much of a Daredevil mindset, and you sort of get spoiled by the amount of detail that Daredevil could go into. Sure, because it has uh, like fourteen hours versus right. Two. And, yeah. yeah, but th- are you allowed to say one way or another? Since you're in the industry, <laughs> can you? And I'm not making light of that. I don't know to what extent you have to like sort of be uh, politically neutral. Oh no, I uh, I enjoyed the film. What's not to enjoy? Unless you're like part of a weird and thirsty backlash <laughs> which certainly is something that exists i liked guardians of the galaxy better yeah that was a romp that was a real fun time so fun we uh remember last august we put the guardians of the galaxy wwe team together and it's too bad that in the 10 months or so that have passed that we're not even close to seeing that happen no you know it seems like we might we might not see uh dave batista back in a wwe ring anytime soon that's uh, those contracts with Marvel. It seems like you're just filming their movies constantly. <laughs> and he's also uh, now a part of the, the James Bond mythology mm-hmm. with a, mm-hmm. a prominent role in Spectre. Spectre, an acronym? It's, uh, it's a name of the, like an evil organization. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It probably is an acronym. What is AIM? Advanced Idea Mechanics. Ooh, that's not that insidious. <laughs> no. I, well, I think that's kind of it. You know, like they can exist in... Uh, People don't know what they're up to other oh, than advancing good... ideas, which could be very noble ideas. Mm-hmm. That's actually fairly thoughtful. As opposed to, say, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants <laughs> <laughs> or the Sinister Six. You know, they don't really <laughs> give themselves a lot of chance to, uh, to hide behind their uh, their motives. Well, this is 
complete disclosure to you that I don't think has maybe it's come up implicitly, but so your website, comicbookresources.com and not CBR.com, I saw something, maybe you linked to it on your Twitter, but it was just something about the word Spider Gwen in January. And I was like, Spider Gwen? How can there be? I know a Gwen and I know Spider. What's this mean? And then I got on this deep Wikipedia like research project trying to understand the Spider-Man big event that was going on. Spider-Verse, yes. Spider-Verse, that's right. And uh, then I started hearing about these secret wars. And then what happened from there is that for the first time since the X-Men second movie came out, I started buying comic books again. Wow. I, yeah. Print or was, digital? I, print. Nice. Well, let me amend that print current stuff and then you got a free uh digital subscription with the word ultron mm. i guess because he controls all uh that technology like, technology yeah. right and and ruins it by giving it away for free um it's i think coincides with wrestling because during the great roman reigns controversy and how angry people were in february I think in hindsight, there must just be some portion of my soul that wants to see jacked up dudes wailing on each other. <laughs> and I wasn't getting that to a satisfactory degree um, in uh, in WWE. So I was like, well, how about this? I have some like stored up memory of uh, all these people that ends around 2000. And then I slowly backfilled it in. Has it been so, difficult for you to catch back up? Well, with Wikipedia and everything out there, I imagine. It, it is but there's a lot of stuff. I think it's it's been weird to stick with wrestling nonstop this whole time. Right, wrestling where everything counts, and they can't just yeah forget a storyline. Yeah, I don't mean to make them analogous since like comics are so much more ingrained and successful in our culture. But I I feel like it must be what it's like for people who dip in and out of wrestling and be like, oh, that guy is now successful, or that guy's bad. How'd that happen? Right. So I read a lot of X Men stuff to catch up and i'm like oh well that's not true they would never do that like uh the characterization of cyclops as conveyed by wikipedia makes no sense to me and things like yeah he went through kind of a rough period that's uh it's been a struggle but then i stuck with the avengers new avengers stuff it did take me an embarrassingly long time to figure out who where the avengers were and why this book called new avengers did not have avengers in them (laughs) Uh, but I enjoyed it and I stuck with it and I paid money for it. It's, uh, it's just there. So I, I wonder what it's like for people who come back into wrestling when they're like, Oh, Hey, it's the rock or there's this subscription service. And then yeah, they come back to wrestling and they're like, Oh, Kane is wearing a suit and has like a, a real job. Exactly. This is an update on the payback pre-show. Currently Seamus is with Tom Phillips in the social media lounge. Hmm. Hopefully there is, if we get JoJo back on Total Divas, they devote some time to just how uh, mortified and appalled she was to utter the words, kiss me arse, when she was announcing <laughs> that stipulation on last month's pay-per-view, because it didn't come out uh, very comfortably. Those are some good questions for Seamus. Yeah, are you afraid that Dolph at At Heel Ziggler will beat you? <laughs> That's a good question. He's probably not, but deep down, has to be at least a little <laughs> doubt. Well, I can talk to you about what I've learned about uh, comic books for a long time, but the only thing I want to focus on that I can get some clarity from it's, you okay, is uh, um, so I to catch up on X Men, uh, sort of re- just reading the tea leaves of what people accept and don't accept. I bought the new X Men and the Astonishing X Men. Okay, and so they were both good and obviously very different. Yes, and then Joss Whedon obviously has a distinct voice. Yes. But the Astonishing X-Men, is it large? And I liked it a lot. It was fun. But did he do that book really just to get Kitty Pride laid and finally consummate her relationship with Colossus, a.k.a. Peter Rasputin? <laughs> Not only have sex, but apparently... Like, like she, like, phased through, like, several stories, right? Right, During yeah. The... She had implicitly multiple orgasms so yeah to what i can't i don't know what the question is there other than do you remember when that happened? i do remember when that happened <laughs> uh i hadn't thought about it in quite a while I yeah that's it. now 
10 years old too i guess yeah reading i was like hey it's great because i was always angry in the uh 1990s that she was her and nightcrawler were in the excalibur Mm. since when i concurrently read classic x-men they were classic x-men so it was good to have her back um i was just uh she's grown up (laughs) she's come a long way Yes. And, you know, that was such a huge deal at the time that Joss Whedon was, like, writing uh, X-Men comic. And that was still years before he was uh, the director and writer of the third highest grossing film of all time. Yeah, there was still... He was really only known for, uh, you know, Buffy and uh, Firefly. and do, do Dollhouse or whatever. Dollhouse had yet to happen. Speaking of Dollhouse, how excited are you that your old favorite Karen Terrell is now heading up a new heel stable... <laughs> on uh, TNA Impact Wrestling called The Dollhouse. Or is this information that you did not know until just now? Uh, it's somewhere in the reservoirs of things that I am privy <laughs> to, but haven't actually seen. I know you were a big I... fan of her, or at least her entrance music, which I believe opened with the lyrics, I'm insatiable, I can't get enough, I need to find a boy, man enough to keep up. Yeah, is that correct? That's, that's 100% <laughs> accurate. And it's pretty deep lyrical writing because uh there's a distinction like between boy and man and that transition there yeah. so that's all true um i think it's funny that if between the two of us we said one of us was a more uh fervent wrestling fan i'm a volunteer myself for that but you're such a like more diversified and better uh a wrestling observer as they say than me i'm such a wider palette Going to PWG events, sure. Lucha Underground, Underground tapings. So knowing uh, what happens in TNA on a right. peripheral <laughs> level. <laughs> well, enjoy it well last, pal, because inside sources say Destination America is fed up, and in September could be big changes afoot in a company where big changes have been afoot a lot. <laughs> well, I won't comment on those rumors, but Global <laughs> Force Wrestling looks like to be a, a force to be reckoned with. That's uh, what a promising talent roster. Finally, get Chris the Masterpiece Masters, or as he's now called, something. I think it's like uh, uh, the Adonis Chris Mordetsky. So it also, you know, I'm watching this payback pre-show, against spoilers, but now, mm-hmm. I guess you could expect this, but Curtis Axel is, is dressing exactly like Hulk Hogan now, uh, and has like a blonde goatee uh, and boas, and apparently he's just called Axelmania now. He's not even called Curtis Axel. Whoa. So... Is Damien Sandow out and named Macho, Macho Man Sandow yeah. on the Chiron? Wow. What great timing after the angle of him uh, of him declaring that he was going to be himself from now on. Wasn't that what happened after the Miz thing? <laughs> oh, God. That's right. He did an impassioned promo from, like, Damien Sandow, the man. Yeah, he was like, first that, like... I was, you know, the smart guy. And that was dumb. And then this. And now I'm just going to be me. Let me level with you, folks. And... But real, I'd just rather be Randy Savage. Ooh, this is a delight, though, to see those two uniting in their parodic forces to be this group. Because <laughs> that's not even really how the Curtis Axel thing started. It wasn't. No! <laughs> trying to impersonate Hulk Hogan. It was that he was it... using the term Axel. Right. Yeah, but it wasn't, that wasn't really the, ex- the extent of it, that it was a Hulk Hogan impression. Exactly. Oh, it's all good. So I also, before we go, you know, I got to get your predictions because we're only a couple weeks away. Your predictions mm-hmm. of, uh, of the Entourage film and what we're going to see Vince and Ari and the rest of the gang getting up to in that motion picture. Because I know that you, this is something that we, we've been talking about a little bit here and there, you know, in the years and months of anticipating of, you know, what we're going to do when we finally see the whole gang up on the big screen. Uh, you know, let's hear, uh, let's hear your take on what we might be in for. I'm just looking forward to the cameos. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and I don't want them spoiled either. Uh, hope that the trailers can hold back a little bit. Because <laughs> what I like about that show is it's such a, a reflection of the business of film. So there's a lot of uh, inside references to things like scripts. Sure. So uh, I enjoy people just having fun with it and then playing a slightly askew version of themselves. I mean, imagine so the, the cameos they were able to land just as an HBO series. You throw mm-hmm. in the, the spotlight and the budget of a big screen production. <laughs> I, 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 don't even, I don't even know, you know where to begin to guess what we might see. I hope just they make sure like Arrested Development did with its fourth season to go back and catch up 
how the Entourage verse played out in however long it's been since the series ended, three years or so. Go back and explain like the uh, Obama Romney election and how our characters reacted to that. And I will say this Entourage movie, uh, you know, opens up the possibility of something that uh, may not have seemed possible otherwise, but is not unwelcome, which would be the presence of Good Morning Miami star Constance Zimmer in a (gasps) live action summer uh, high profile film. At last, that was a distinctly different character than her GMM. You know, uh, we wouldn't necessarily expect to see that in a movie coming out uh, as like a big summer film. But you mm-hmm. know, I, I'm pretty sure she's she's on board as part of the cast. Is that an assumption, or can we actually? Say I, I did look it up actually. Happened? Oh, good, thank God. So, if anyone was on the fence about seeing Entourage of the movie. That the Constance Zimmer character would be there. She's there. I think by the time I stopped watching it and re- didn't understand what I was watching in the first place, that she had ascended to like an important power position in studios sure. or whatever. You know, one thing about that film is that everyone in it gradually became more and more successful. <laughs> and like uh, any type of uh, hardships they suffered were quickly, uh, quickly resolved. They were fairly ephemeral. <laughs> Uh, you know, I also, I looked up on Wikipedia to make sure that Constance Zimmer was in this film. I don't recommend anyone listening do that because there's a whole section of cameos listed on this Wikipedia article. You do not want to spoil yourself. You want to go in pure. When you see these, you want to, you know, you want to feel that surprise and delight, you know, when you're sitting there in your seat and you see these great cameos that the entourage of the movie has lined up. Yeah, this is like staring in the sun. I can't look away. Just cameo after cameo after cameo. So There's some good ones. Looks like I'm getting what I asked for. Thank goodness. And uh, yeah, Sloan is involved again. <laughs> and we'll finally find out what's, uh, what's going on with the Murphy group. <laughs> Think of how it could expand it to like a whole Murphy conglomerate by this point. Can we spoil one of the cameos? Again, if people don't want to hear it, you know, fast forward, I would say about 25 minutes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about this for that long. Yep. Um, Kelsey Grammer Whoa. showing up in the Entourage movie as himself. At last. You know, maybe he's negotiating uh, like a deal for a down periscope too. Um, I would think like some kind of continuation of boss because boss oh yeah like maybe yeah exactly like a a boss film you know kind of like the the serenity (laughs) boss's firefly tom brady himself sure that uh will come boy yeah awkward well entourage looks great and Um, one more thing about summer films though uh i did just see mad max fury road (gasps) in a star making prominent performance former uh, Undertaker at WrestleMania opponent, the Colossus of Bago Road, Nathan Jones. He's in the montage, or he was when they ran montages about the people Undertaker beat. Yeah. That became an empty accomplishment. <laughs> so how'd he do? I saw him, of course, in 2004's Troy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, he he was great. Is he still jacked? He certainly is. Man. To maintain that for eleven years, or let's say nine, when filming, uh, right? He looks, yeah, he looked about the same. I didn't realize it was him until after I saw the movie and looked it up and looked up who was in it, and mm. I was like, oh, that's a name that's vaguely familiar. Wait, it's that guy who was a wrestler. Well, there's, I'm sure, more than one Nathan Jones, but there's only one Nathan Jones who looks like that, I guess. Who lactated milk? Uh, uh, speaking of weird wrestling apocrypha, I didn't know that was that part of his character. <laughs> yeah was that like yeah. a did, did he lactate milk and then tommy dreamer drank it as one of his gross out challenges <laughs> he was actually uh doing a meet the parents gimmick <laughs> where uh they asked if he could milk him you could you know who met the parents are a parent don marie <laughs> <laughs> Ben Stiller, he was uh, on probably an Attitude Era Raw. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he, he loved his, his favorite WWF superstar. Uh, <laughs> he, he pointed out that he had two. Mm-hmm. And that they were, in fact, uh, Deborah's breasts. <laughs> <laughs> but he, there was comeuppance for that because he got the figure four. And he tapped, I think. I would hope so. If he has any respect for the business... 
Well, that's I asked you a week ago. Does the the all in factor of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe mean that eventually Batista himself is going to be fighting and ideally punching Thanos the Titan by the time twenty seventeen or whatever rolls around? Are they all in it? Is that assumed or known? Uh, it's not known, but oh, I guess how could it be? Because yeah. they don't do those press releases. But I guess there, I'm sure there'll be some sort of connectivity there. Yeah, because they'll be in space already. You would think, and he was he was in their movie too. So, yeah, that'll be great. The Batista Paul Rudd connection we've always been waiting for. I think it's, it's gonna happen. Great. Yeah. Will the Netflix people be in? I, again, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's possible. They could do like a a scene like cutting back on Earth, or you know, it's like Captain America's like I have to go to space. You know, Daredevil, you need to take care of this uh, uh, of New York while I'm in space. Something like that. Sure, sure, that could happen. <laughs> that sounds like a great scene. <laughs> That sounds like definitely something that uh, that should exist beyond like placating fans. <laughs> Could you do us a favor and defend this, and then turn and look at the camera? Right. <laughs> that is probably the uh, the launch point of that uh, Netflix series: is them being like, "We have to go to space with Batista." Do us a favor. <laughs> well, we truly accomplished everything we set out to accomplish. Covered it all. Um, exonerated the reputation of the likes of Chris Jericho, the Bell Twins, and uh, season six of Community. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, I'll admit that I am uh, behind. I haven't watched. Uh, I haven't watched the last, let's say, six episodes. That's the error of it is that there's just no impetus to get on and get going. But I'm not. That's not a conscious choice. It's not like, oh, right. this is bad. Um, you know what, what? What's your what's your take? You seem to, that you have a take. I my take is kind of like uh, it exists. Its dialogue is clever. The fact that cast members have left is kind of become noticeable in a way a bummer, it wasn't yeah. to me last year. Yeah, like I thought last season, the Harmon Reborn season was genuinely great, and uh, I don't know if uh, there's been necessarily anything at that level so far this year but congratulations to them for fulfilling this prophecy and existing on tv no one could accuse them otherwise so you have six up ep- you'll you'll get there we'll i get guess there. and we can do a, we can do obviously a podcast uh where we where we list our 10 favorite episodes community season six that's great i uh i would love to do more list-based podcasts since uh other people have elbowed me out yeah. of that marketplace it'll be like a. We'll call the podcast, read this list, and become informed of its contents. Terrific. Well, thank you for it's maybe your third or fourth appearance, but finally your long-deserved uh, solo bolo. Yes, bro down, pro down. And I'm sorry for having you go to those wrestling tapings in March and then... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, hey, you, you flew me out, which was unnecessary because they were all within a 50-minute <laughs> drive of my home. You put me up in hotel, you know, you covered yep. all those, exp- you covered, you know, I had a per diem, uh, you know, you took care of me, you know, you, you, you went through the trouble of, of contacting the uh, press departments of yeah, WWE right. and the LRA network to ensure my entry, you know, and I also got all that audio from the, uh, from the backstage interviews I did that we're going to be playing Perfect. over the next few weeks, you know, That's right. you know, I, I really had like, I mean, I had like a, a pretty good, like 20 minutes sit down with uh, Mil Muertes and uh, <laughs> Katrina, formerly known as uh, Derek Bateman's main squeeze. Who is Liviana? Is that, was that her in TNA? Mm, Liviana. I don't know if I recognize that name. It might just be like one of those TNA uh, pay-per-views they were forced to do. That's right. only? I think that might be where I saw it. Liviana. Is that, uh, that's a Max, yeah. It's a former Maxine identity. That's uh, like the dollhouse, things that I pulled out of nothing. <laughs> I have genuinely not seen, but somehow it was in there. Um, okay, so I can't send you to SummerSlam, as I had the last two years. Yeah, I guess the budget is... Uh, you know, it looks like Liviana was her name in a Florida Championship Wrestling pre-Maxine uh, days. How about that? Oh yeah, I've seen her in skits with, I think, Rob Naylor as her uh, assistant or something for when she ran FCW, I think this may be a thing that happened. Well, she, you know, she was always looking for a position of power, from what I remember. <laughs> yeah, 
There was one direction, <laughs> R.I.P. that she wanted to be, and that was uh, on top. Yes, that's a good. That's a good joke for about five people. <laughs> I uh, am realizing now. Instead of whatever we talked about, we should have just talked about NXT Redemption this whole time. But what a hook for a sequel! Absolutely. What? Things to look forward to: Captain America asking Daredevil to defend the Earth when he has to step out, and our conversation about NXT Redemption. So, if there is a a, a raw before SummerSlam, I'll be sure and get you there. Me too. In, uh, state of California. Well, you know who's going is our uh, our friend Matt Feuerstein. Mm, mm-hmm. And since, uh, well, I guess he went with you two years ago. Last year, he didn't do shit. He didn't so. do goddamn shit, and he was still got to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So by that pre-established condition, you have an open invitation to appear with and shout down Matt. I will. And also, we have, you know, we should plug that our next podcast is going to be ranking every episode of Matt's podcast, Listen and Learn. Mm-hmm. Right, 10th anniversary of Listem and Learn will be a countdown of the top nine Listems and Learns, uh, as determined by you and me separately. Yes, and then, of course. Because uh, it's a show for individuals. Oh, what about... Um, as the CubsFan.com Cinematic Universe continues to expand, are there any talks to uh, finally get politically chin-correct off the ground? Uh, there's been some talks. You know, we're still we're in deep-level negotiations, me and uh, the Cubs fan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I hope to have an announcement by the fall. Because <laughs> consider you, the launch of Politically Chincorrect is when I would consider the 2016 election season to have officially begun. Yes, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Then. You know, we're going to, I mean, you know, have you seen some of these clowns coming out of the woodwork <laughs> running for president? I mean, what, what did they, where did they all come from? A clown car? <laughs> Primary, more like tertiary yeah, primary like that's their reading level <laughs> these clowns this has been a 45 second teaser of the pilot of politically chincorrect so you have that to look forward to lots of guests stephanopoulos is involved although plagued by scandal i think i hope that doesn't affect negotiation you know i've never been afraid of scandal i watched season one mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it wasn't for me but i wasn't afraid of it well, congratulations to Shonda Rhimes for a storied career in television. And, he is uh, doing great. We gotta, we gotta get going here as the uh, "Kick Me Arse" rematch is commencing. Right. As far as I know, no, no, no arse-based stipulations on this match, though. That's true. So uh, JoJo will be relieved. Um, she can get through that. All she has to say is one fall. <laughs> But thank you so much for uh, for appearing here and uh, all the reporting you've done. And uh, get back out there. I will. Get back out there. Hit the streets. Bring me some scoops. Tell me who won matches at taped wrestling shows. No other way to find out unless, unless you know someone personally <laughs> there. Well, thank you for your service. And um, thank you to all the victims of May 19th, the show we were doing. Um, yeah, that, that premise uh, lasted. <clears throat> Uh, I think they would want us to move on, though. I think so. I think, I think that's, that's only fair. <laughs> that those losses were not in vain. And that's the insidious thing about uh, Jacob Goodnight, is that um, people forget, and then he comes back, and then more trouble. Yeah. I think that's the takeaway from uh, those films, probably. So awesome. for next time, we could watch them, but I, let's not. Entourage would come before them, preferentially. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Two men who have been doing this show with me for the oh, last couple of years, uh, I'd imagine. And that is one Todd Martin and one Justin Shapiro. Guys, how you doing? Good. Same. <laughs>